Great worship today. Thank you guys for being here this morning. Welcome to Connect Church, online viewers and those in the house this morning. So good to see you guys today. My name is Terry Pierce, the lead pastor here at Connect Church. We are halfway through. We preach the Bible here unequivocally, unapologetically. It is the Word of God, always has been, always will be, cover to cover. And we are halfway through going through the Word of God, verse by verse, in the book of Philippians. We are in the third quarter. We are entered at halftime, so you guys should be good awake. You've had your Pepsi and your chips, and now we're ready to watch the third quarter of the game. And this is where we're at today, what we simply are calling joy in the journey. Now, I'm going to start the message off in honor of our graduates today with a little bit of academic institutionalism, and we're going to talk to you guys, I don't even know if that's a good word, but that's as close as I get to academic institutions, but we're going to talk to you guys a little bit today about math. And so uh, for all of our school teachers in the room this morning, uh, I will remind you guys is that we're not going to give a a dynamic criteria of uh, the new math concepts, but we're going to introduce you guys to what has transpired. So I'm going to read from uh, a website this morning, introduce the message a little bit differently. Parents who grew up in the 80s and 90s, you learn basic math uh, formulas such as long division to solve math problems. But starting in 2010, common core State Standards Institute aimed to change the way American students were taught, and they taught uh, in English as well as art and mathematics. The the, uh, teachers in the room understand this. According to the math and virtual learning experts at Prodigy, now this is from their website. This is not my opinion. This is from the Prodigy website. Common Core Standards for Mathematical Practices were designed with three main goals. We have those on the screen from the Prodigy website. In short, The goal of Common Core Math is to recognize math content, this is their words, not mine, is to reflect on students uh, on how they learn math. Dr. Alicia Madovan, PhD, Assistant Professor of Mathematics Education at Fordham University, this is her statement, it's giving students more options to see and engage in the content, connecting math better to big ideas as they progress through K through 12 education. Now I want you to watch the video. This is actually Dr. Moldavia demonstrating for parents on her website how to do Common Core Math. This is her. All right, so that took exactly three minutes and 30 seconds to do that on your Common Core. This is actual Dr. Moldavia explaining the, the new concept of how to do math better and all that. Now we want to move the cursor forward, and I want to show you the old school way that uh, many of us learn. And so watch this video. So in essence, what happens is, is the next video, uh, we'll see if we can bring it up in just a second, but the next video takes the old school column, of the, how that you and I learned it, and it takes exactly a minute and 20 seconds to do the old school column. So in translation, it is two minutes and 10 seconds longer to do the new easier, better method over twice, 60% longer in time frame to do the, the common core method. Now, educators, I don't want you emailing me and arguing with me and, and sending me uh, letters today, but here's my point. If we can do math in a minute and 20 seconds, the same way that they're now telling us it takes three minutes and 30 seconds to do that, I want to remind you guys today that I'm just making a suggestion, maybe uh, a simpler way of counting sometimes 
can be better. Now, the goal was by the, the mathematicians and the educators, and I get this and I appreciate that, is they wanted to make, uh, make it a creative experience. But you have to ask yourself as they go through that, and they admit on their own website, I'm quoting, not for me, my opinion, but I'm quoting on their own website that now we are uh, moving up from formulas, I get that, to concepts. So in second grade, we're now having our kids do word problems that we used to do in junior high. They're now doing in second grade because we want them to be more creative in that process. Now, here's the, now I do have an objection with that. I love math. Math is, you know, one of my favorite. I was actually good at math in school, except when we got to junior high and we had word problems. And I totally zoned out. Here was my answer to little Tommy boy gets his first car. He's driving 35 miles an hour from point A. You remember? And he is going to intersect with train on track that is leaving point station B at 45 miles an hour, and they're going to intersect at a railroad crossing in point C. Who's going to get there first? And my answer to the word problem, and I wrote this down in school, back then, do not do this, and I wrote down on the answer, if Tommy Boy is too stupid to see the red lights flashing at the railroad crossing and gets hit by the train, then he deserves to get hit. Answer the question. Uh, so anyway, so just not a big word problem type of guy. Now, I said all that to say this and set it up because everything I'm telling you today, the whole message is going to be built on this. I am not argu arguing against or for the education today, but I am simply saying is that sometimes in our life, that counting the simplest method is the best method to where we get to. And so we're good on that. And so here's what we're going to do this morning. I want to I make the case, or Paul does in the case, that in Philippians chapter 3, that the argument that the Apostle Paul is going to tell the church at Philippi that you guys have been counting wrong. You guys have made what you think matters in life way too complicated. There is a much better way to figure out what matters in your life and you're banking your whole creative life on I think I should do this this is the way the world should be this is how we'll all have creative happy lives and the truth of the matter is when it's all said and done the right answer the only answer is God's way of counting and this morning you're going to hear a message that the only counting that matters is God's way of counting, and we need to get used to it. That is the title of my message today. Turn your Bibles, if you will, uh, to Philippians chapter 3. Count on what matters. The, this passage focuses on the idea that even the most admirable human privileges and achievements fall short of God's requirements for the final judgment. Oh, we've lost my clock too, haven't we? Okay, so we're told, I got you when that we're out. Uh, in other words, you are the very best. Uh, is, uh, do we have any of the outlines at all? So we do have that. Okay, thank you. I got you, got you. Thank you, bud. The pass this passage is focused on the most hu admirable human privileges and achievements that fall short of God's requirement for the final judgment. In other words, you and your very best is not good enough. Let me say that again. What counts on the end is not your best, is not good enough. Jesus Christ alone is by the means of which you and I are rescued in, ju in judgment. You understand that when it's all said and done, when you and I draw our last breath, whenever that is, however that is, 
You doing your best, and I know you're not used to hearing this, and you can go down the street and hear something else, but the truth of the matter is, your very best is not even in the ball game to get you into heaven. We have a philosophy, and I get it, and there's part of me that loves it. I've made a statement, but it is terrible theology. American philosophy says you come to this country, you need to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And I'll tell you what, make something of yourself. Well, there is a part of that that is accurate and that is good and that we need in this country again. But I've got to tell you, it has crept into the church. We have counted on that in the church, and it is a lie from hell when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ. i got news for you this morning. You can be good all you want. You can be religious. You can come to this church. You can tie. You can do whatever you want to do and be a good person, and you're going to split hell wide open because I'm telling you, there is none righteous. There is none worthy to go to heaven. It is all about Jesus, and the only thing that counts is that your sins been covered by the blood of Jesus. It's the only thing that matters. It's the only thing that counts. And so this morning, the Apostle Paul is going to bring it, and he is going to get fired up. Our world honors rewards, high achievements, trophies, medals, plaques. You've seen that today. You go out here with Spencer and Riley, and Abby, and they've got tables, and all of their achievements, and we applaud them, and we should. What a glorious day. It's, it's, uh, it is beautiful, and it's profound. Matter of fact, give them another round of applause. Congratulations, graduates. Well done. Well done, and you deserve your day. So do mom and dads and grandparents, too. Amen. So, but here's the reality, and I'm sorry, but Riley, Spencer, and Abby, you know me. We just lay it out there. In two months, all of those beautiful tables that your mom went ballistic over about, had to have it everything right and had to get the, you know, blah, 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 and all that stuff. I know, I've been there three times. You know what is in my attic? <laughs> 2009, I got three sons, for those of you who don't know me. I got a 2009, 2011, and 2015 Morville black and green stuff in boxes with each year. Now, here's the rule at the Pierce family. Your stuff, all the achievements, all the awards, it's where it's going to wind up, in the attic. Now, we are not the most sentimental family, so we have a rule at the Pierce family. The day your John Brown self gets married, you get your junk out of my, out of my attic, and you're moving out of my house, I ain't paying for anything else, and I need the room and need the space, and if you don't get it out on the day you get married, we burn it. So I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, we're not the most sentimental family in the world, but today, but today is your day, so enjoy it, we celebrate with you. I know that's terrible, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get the letters. Here's the thing, there's nothing inherently wrong with appreciating and applauding the accomplishments of today. You guys made it. But listen to me. Listen to me. Accolades can be deceptive. If you're not careful, your achievements and your accomplishments will lead the church and how we do church and how you families raise your kids to think earthly success and temporal earnings can somehow translate into happy, wonderful lives, or even better yet, you somehow think that what you do in this life is going to give you a spot 
in heaven one day. And it's not how God counts. You're using new math. It's complicated. And you know what new math does in this sense? It makes it more complicated, takes more time. You get more frustrated when the simple answer you all have been looking for in your life and happiness, marriage, everything else is in Jesus. We've made it way too complicated, guys. We've made it way too complicated. And the Apostle Paul addresses this issue. Here's what I want you to write down this morning. Uh, I don't know if I'm ever going to get back to it. It's going to be a different kind of message this morning. But here's what we're talking about. Here summarizes, in my opinion, what this text is about. And I want you to write it down today. Life is not about doing religious things. Life is not about doing religious things on the way to a successful life. But it's about our life is a gift from God. I'm telling you, this is money. Life is not about doing religious things on the way to a successful life. It's about our life as a gift to God. Jesus, you ready? This is good, Michael. Jesus wants to save us from ourselves and our sins. Maybe we have forgotten the simple way. Maybe we have forgotten the simple way of looking at our lives. Paul is going to teach the church how to count on what really matters. Verse 1. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. We're going to get there. Look out for the evildoers. I'm not talking about Mississippi State. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those that mutilate the flesh. For we are circumcision. We who worship by the Spirit of God. You want to circle this verse. For we who are the circumcision worship in the Spirit of God and the glory of Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself, Paul says, I have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, the Hebrew of Hebrews, is the law of the Pharisee, is the zeal of the persecutor of the church, is the righteousness under the law, blameless. Those are his credentials, his achievements. But notice the counting happens now. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I what? I count everything uh, on loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord for his sake. Again, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. Wait till you hear the definition of that word. In order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. And what is his end goal? What is he counting on that matters? That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may obtain the resurrection from the dead." So, you've got to ask the question, when you read that intensity, you think, I'm a little wired, you, you read this, and if you really get out of your mindset of reading as an American, reading daily bread stuff, if you read the Bible as it is written, you're going to see this dude is fired up. This guy is upset, he is passionate, he is bringing it, and matter of fact, and I know in our southern culture, we're not supposed to do this. I don't know how many times over the years I've been criticized. Uh, you know, a well, pastor, I just don't think you should talk like that in church. That might offend people. Well, maybe 
God Almighty and the cross offends people. What Jesus said in calling people dogs offended people because he'd rather offend people than watch them die and go to an everlasting hell. And so he calls Jewish believers in the text today, John, dogs. And it gets way more personal. Let me set up the context for you, and then we're going to tell you what the wordage really means here. Because I guarantee you, you've probably not read it like you should have. Let's dig deeper first. The whole setup for why Paul, Paul is wired here in this text is because of a very valid reason. In Acts chapter 15, we don't have time to go there this morning. You can read about it later. In Acts 15, the church world and the modern early church had become totally turned upside down. The Jewish Christians were freaking out because the Gentiles, you all, were coming into the church and getting saved. And you know what y'all's problem was? You didn't act like Jews. You didn't act like Baptists. You didn't act like us. You didn't dress like us. And the Jewish people of the church tradition said, if these Gentiles are not going to get circumcised, if these Gentiles are not going to follow the Old Testament law and the rituals, then they are not truly saved. And Paul said, back the truck up. Paraphrase of 15. It's in the original Greek. They didn't even know what a truck was. And so Paul goes into the Jerusalem council meeting. This is the church leaders of all over the Middle East. I'm talking this is as big as it gets. Even the apostle Peter has been blindsided and listening to this crud. And so the apostle Paul has a come to Jesus meeting, literally, and in the council meeting, the Jerusalem council, Acts 15, Paul says and gets up and he says, we're not going back to the Old Testament law. And the Apostle Paul says, by the way, and they say, what right do you have to tell us about what Jesus wants for the church? And Paul says, let me explain something to you. I am a better Jew than any of you sitting in the room today. I'm the Hebrew of all Hebrews. I persecuted and killed more Christians than any of you have ever thought of. I graduated. Hey, listen to me, Americans and family raising your kids. Oh, if our kids are just super smart, if our kids do the best, then they're going to be happy. Paul says, I was the top of my class. I am the best Jew that ever lived on the face of the planet. I have accomplished it all, and I was all wrong. I counted on the wrong things. And the only thing that matters in the church of Jesus Christ is that the perfect lamb, by the name of Jesus, bled and died on a cross. There is an Old Testament lamb. There isn't a high priest that can save you. When Jesus died on the cross, the veil in the temple was torn. Jesus arose on the third day. And the only way you get saved is by being covered by the blood of the holy lamb. Somebody say amen. Glory! And when Paul got done, it was about like y'all. Half the crowd, eh, whatever, heard that. Shame on you. Not me, but for the gospel. And do you know what happened? <laughs> Is it hot in here? I'm not the one that's sweating. Here's what happened. There was a group. And there is always a group. I tell you, we know these were Jewish Baptists. And there was a group who walked out of the Jerusalem 15, Acts 15 meeting, and they said, we hate that preacher. We don't like him telling us about Jesus alone. And you know what they were concerned about? Same thing some of y'all religious people have been doing 
for years in church. I want to control it. It's my money, my power, my way. Some of you all think if we just be religious like my grandmama, my grandmama was, your grandma didn't save you. Your grandpa didn't save you. The old church didn't save you. Jesus Christ alone is what gets us to heaven. And we need to quit worshiping the past and worship the only person that lives with us now and helps us fight hell every day. His name is Jesus. And so, and, some of, and by the way, let me just, this is not even the notion. Let me just go there. Some of you all haven't gotten your backsides back to church because somebody hurt you, somebody offended you in the past. Would you get over your John Brown religious excuses and know when you stand before a holy God, well, they didn't do it, they didn't sing like I, my grandma did. Do you really think that's going to fly when you stand before a holy God one day? Do you really think your excuses about why you've not been in church and why you're not doing what you want to be doing is going to fly one day? I'm telling you, you're going to fall down, Mark, in the name of Jesus, and you're going to cry out, I should have listened to that guy yell at me today. The only thing that matters is that you bled and died for me, and I took it for granted, and I threw away the very relationship I should have had all along for people and religion. Shame on us. Did you get the message that Paul was preaching about? And you think, I'm intense about this. So Paul says, I want you to get this down. These people, he calls them dogs and Judaizers, were going into the churches, that group, that Baptist anarchist group, went into Galatia, Philippi, Ephesus. And you know what they did, Colton? They told people that you've got to be a Jew. And they ruined the church of Jesus Christ. And Paul says, don't you dare let these dogs come into the church at Philippi. You keep counting on what matters, Grant. The only thing that matters is Jesus. Count on what matters. And so this morning, here's what matters. And I want you to write this down. Without faith in Christ, this is what Dr. Frank Tillman, New Testament scholar, he nails it. This is his words, not mine, but he nails this, and you need to get this. This is what the message is about. Without faith, we cannot be, without faith in Christ, we cannot be acquitted on the final day of judgment. Getting this right is important, both for the spiritual health, oh, this is good, I love this, of the church, and for the eternal well-being, that's you, to those whom the church proclaims it. In other words, <laughs> Hector, y'all want to go to heaven? Then you need to get this down. You've got to quit counting on what the culture and even what religion says, and you need to, guys need to get back to Jesus. Miss Marie, we need to repent. This is what this message is about today. We need to repent. We have all bought in and counted on stuff that doesn't matter. So let's dive now. That's the, that's the depth. That's the teaching of the passage. Now let's, let's unpack it a little bit more for you guys. So now you, under, I'm sorry, the context. Now let's unpack the actual verse. Look what Paul says in verse 2. Look out for the dogs. That's what he calls the, Judy, the Jewish believers. He calls them Paul, not me. Don't get mad at this preacher. He calls them dogs. Look out for the evildoers. He calls them out. Oh, well, we shouldn't say stuff like that about people. That might offend them. Well, if they're trying to lead the church astray, they're trying to lead your home, your kids, your generation astray, maybe somebody ought to stand up and call a spade what it is. 
It's wrong. And when he uses the word dogs, now here's how you all would read it in your little daily bread reading. Sorry, I shouldn't say that, but it is true. Paul did not have in mind this some little dog, this polite little pamper. You know how some of y'all positive people are. What Paul was talking about, when he offended these people and called him dogs, Tanner, he was talking about that little chihuahua you all got at your house. He's polite and, and pampered or whatever it is, and uh, they're all the same to me. And uh, but this little potty-trained pet instead, now this is the definition of dogs that Paul was referring to if you understand the culture and the context of the passage. Study it. Feral dogs roam the back streets of Jerusalem, dirty flea-infested, disease-ridden scavengers with uncertain pedigrees. They were simply mangy mutts. Miss Amanda Bedefield and her cat story is loving this message. We are nailing the dogs today. So you can't get to this part of the sermon. Oh my gosh, it's so hot in here. You can't get to this part of the sermon today. And you've just got to think, we've got to have a theme song, amen? And so the only thing that comes to mind is who let the dogs out? Are, are you with me this morning? So, uh, and I know this, and I'm not talking about you Ole Miss fans are getting upset. I'm not talking about state, you know, uh, but you've got to think about this morning, uh, I, and I'm not thinking about the state chant. I'm thinking about the actual song in 2009. You know, y'all know it. Don't look at me like that. Who, who, who let the dogs out? So I uh, say, so you guys, uh, <laughs> I, you all are a bunch of hypocrites. I guarantee you, every one of you in that room has sang that phrase at one time or another. Don't you dare judge me. Who? Uh, so I know you guys know all of that phrase at one time or another have said that. Well, here's the thing. I grew up very free will Baptist, very legalistic, and I know, you know, and so I was very naive. I didn't know. Uh, so I did something you don't want to do this week. I, you know, knew I was going to preach this message, and so I wanted you guys to remember it. So who, who let the dogs out? So uh, I went and watched that song on YouTube. Do not do that. I assumed, because I'm free will Baptist and all that, that it was about dogs. So I was looking for dogs to be, you know, all through the video and all this stuff. It is not about dogs. I had no earthly idea, Jim. I was appalled. I was embarrassed. It's about sex stuff and male predators. And it was, it was atrocious it was trash don't do not no, put your phone down now oh, I'm just telling you and so it was just, he really wasn't married it's okay don't beat him uh, anyway, and so, 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 so the whole thing I'm just telling you it's a terrible song and I said all of that for a reason this morning because what happened in my naive little world innocent world is exactly what's happening in your all's world every day and in the church. I thought it was a cute little ditty. I've even sang it, you know, around Nora, never again. And, it, and honestly, and all jokes aside, there's nothing wrong with saying the phrase, but honestly, the song has a terrible theological implication, and it's just horrible trash morally. And yet you and I are doing the same thing in our lives. You're living for your achievements. You're thinking, if I can be successful in my job, 
If I can get enough money, if I can do this, if somebody will do that for me, if our church will just keep doing what I want our church to do that makes me feel good about myself, then somehow I'm going to be happy. If I just have a positive attitude about all this stuff, if I just, whatever, I'm telling you, your philosophies are wrong. Your philosophies are sin-cursed. What we count on and depend on are ourselves. We're sin-cursed people. And we keep depending on our opinions and our ideas. I thought that was a good song. I was a moron. And so are you if you think that what you are counting on is going to work for you. Well, that just killed it. But that's, you shouldn't say stuff like that. I don't want my kid, Paul called them dogs. Why? You're looking at me this morning. You need to learn to get tougher. And you need to call it what it is. And your kids need to hear you call it out and what it is. Because I'm telling you, Paul goes on and makes it even deeper. Look what he says in the next verse. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. The Greek word here, y'all going to love this man, I'm going to get emails. The Greek word here for rubbish, this is the one time, in my personal opinion, that the King James Version has a more accurate translation than the ESV. And this, all of them are good, but anyway, not get into that. But this is where this one is wrong. And um, the King James says dung. It's way worse than that. It's human excrement. If you want to translate the actual wordage here, Jody, it is human excrement. Paul is so worried about the church and about good people being led astray by counting on Danny what doesn't matter that he said, all your opinions and your philosophies of how you're raising your kids, your attitudes about church, and what really matters in your lives, you're going to wind up, and I'm telling you, explicitly, if we translated it out, it would be human, what we can't say on the air. That's the translation in the Bible. Don't get mad at me. Take it up with God. He's the one that said it. Why would God, and some of you, well, I wouldn't ever want my little kid to say something or whatever. If, do you understand why God does harsh things? Some of you got to change your way of thinking. The reason God says harsh things is because the only way you all listen, the only way he gets your attention is by calling it what it is. Your kids don't always need to be coddled. You don't always need to hear positive things at church. That's coming next Sunday. But you can't get to the positive until we repent of our sins in the first place. God can't make us better until we admit we're screwed up, we're wrong, and we need his forgiveness. That's what counts. That's what matters. Now, I've got to wrap all this up. And um, here's the thing. I've rewritten this message three times. Is... Um, What I'm getting ready to say is not what I want to say. 
I literally had a little bit of a minor thing in my shoulder, and, and um, I was typing, I typed my sermons out by manuscript. And Mike, three times I typed this message out. It's been hard, it's a long week anyway, doing getting all that stuff. And on Friday, I typed it in and had it done three times, and the Holy Spirit just kept telling me, this is, you're doing, you're violating the very thing I'm asking you to tell your church to quit doing. You're counting on Terry to tell the folks what you want them. I've got a message for them. I love them more than you. It's not about what you think. Three times I had to erase it, Wayne. I finally, I'm just telling you, to be honest, in my home office, in pain, I'm mad because the worst thing right now I can do is type. And so I'm like, forget it then, God. If, I, and I, I said, that, I was stupid, John. I walked out of my home office and said, you do it. And I went in, and Friday night, I was tired, I was hurting, and I just took a shower, and me and God were arguing in the shower, and I was like, three times I've typed this. You're not satisfied with it, you preach it. And at that point, the Holy Spirit got a hold of me. And I'm telling you, he said, calm down. He said, uh, are you ready to listen? You see, harsh words, harsh words, I needed to hear it. Calm down, shut up, it's not about you. And the Holy Spirit just flooded what I, I literally just dried off, ran back into the office, put my drawers on, and went back into the home office. And, uh, and man, I'm just telling you what happened next is the Holy Spirit just flowed and he gave me everything I needed. And so here's what he's laid on my heart to share with you guys. And it's simply this, is that God is wanting to say to you guys, and this is what I wrote down. It's not, but this is, this is the point. The method you, you and I use in our flesh to count on what is right is the wrong method. His way of counting is what really matters. Let me, let me, let me get to this. Sorry. Let me illustrate it to you in this way. Word picture and we'll wrap it up. <clears throat> if you guys have been on social media, you noticed that last weekend we have three sons. We got a lot of new people in church. and Our, our, our three sons are grown for the most part. Uh, married and uh, we've got two grandbabies and two on the way that are fixing to shoot out anytime. And so uh, anyway, and so uh, all of them came home uh, last um, weekend for Mother's Day. The first time in 10 years, two of our kids are in ministry. And so uh, first time in 10 years that Mama Belen, my wife, had all of her babies and, and everything in the house on Mother's Day. So it was just when Mama's happy, we had a good week, everybody's happy. So it was good. And so all of that happened, transpired this weekend, uh, last weekend. And um, but when, and matter of fact, our oldest son and his wife had never even been to the house, you know, that we live at now for the last couple of years, and so they were first time there. So we have a son that's on staff here that you met earlier, Andrew and Ashlyn, and they had our first granddaughter, and so they were the last ones that are always late for everything, and so they're coming in, and uh, everybody, Adam and Caroline, Aaron and Courtney's already in the house, and you know, Blend and I, and it's a little bit smaller house than what they grew up in, and so it's just like crazy, y'all know, with grandkids and the family, so everything's going on, and our little granddaughter, 18 months old, Nora comes in with her mom and dad who live here. Now, Nora, you have to understand, is used to being at grandparents' house, you know, at least once a month or so. And so she, in her heart, 
believes that that's Nana B and Papa T's, that's her grandparents' house and her grandparents' house alone. Y'all with me? So she's a little girl, so she's got a whole attitude. We've never had girls. This is a whole different ballgame for Belinda and I, so we're learning, and man, they are just different ways of thinking. And so uh, Andrew and Ashton walk in with little Nora, and uh, she wasn't having it. I mean, she immediately looked at that house full of people. She barely even knew most of them, and then there's a little cousin now. Uh Uh-uh. And if you want to really want to get a taste of what Nora's view was, look at the screen. And so this is sort of how she viewed the whole. <laughs> and so, so, so this is Nora like, get him off of me now. And so anyway, and so this is, this is our precious, beautiful, sweet, southern little Nora. And, uh, you know, this is, and so um, we're going to get there in a second. So just leave that up for a little bit. So, all right. And, and so here's how that next few minutes went down. And I know this is going to offend some of y'all, but just hang with me because we're going to get to the end. It's going to be good. Nora went into an ungodly. Uh, they've told me, Andrew and Ashlyn, you know, I thought they've been lying all these years, you know, and this time and stuff months. But Nora went into a ungodly, unchristian. She was not a grandfather's pastor's daughter, granddaughter at all. Matter of fact, she pitched a fit. She was like, you're not going to take over my house. She wasn't having any of it. She would not sit at the table. She acted like a straight up heathen. I'm just talking about was terrible. And so I did the approach of what y'all millennial and Gen Z's are doing with your kids and your generation of parenting. Uh, I'm a grandfather, you know, and grandkids, they're perfect. They never do anything wrong. So I'm sort of learning to be positive like you guys. So I step in to, you know, do that whole reinforcement, you know, and I'm, you know, and I do, and I, uh, you guys drive me nuts with this. And then I did it is I just go, well, she's, she's just having a bad day, you know, because that's how y'all are taught to parent now. And she's just, you know, she's threatened by her environment because she's got the new people here and Matthew and all of that. And so I'm thinking we just got to reinforce her and we've got to just be positive positive and make her feel comfortable that it's not blah, 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 blah. That doesn't work. I tried that, and she went worse. I mean, I'm trying to be there. Andrew and Ashlyn, look at me and my house and tell me that's our daughter. Back off, Papa T. And I did. I didn't like it, but they were right. And do you know, Tony, what they did with my precious, perfect angel granddaughter? They picked her up. And I know you're not supposed to do this today, but you should. They confidently yelled at her. And they took her into a room and they spoke harshly to her. Well, she's a little ain't she's having a no. They wore her out. In my house, my angel. And then they proceeded to put her little bottom in timeout away from everybody. And do you know how she responded? She went, Wah! she wasn't, I mean, she went even worse intense level. Our perfect little angel. I was just blown away. I didn't think she had it in her. And that's how some of y'all parent your kids, and you're so wrong. Your methods are wrong. 
when you assume that your sweet little angels are sweet little angels. Because here's where I'm going with this. You know what happened 15 minutes after her showing out? They did exactly what they should have done. Do you know what Nora learned that day? 15 minutes later, she didn't get her way. They picked her out of the playpen. I wanted to go get her the whole time. But Belen kept giving me the look, don't you dare. And, and so, but the whole time. And they go and they pick up Nora. They put her in the dining room table with the rest of us. And do you know what? Nora had a good time at that point. Nora realized what mom and dad taught her that day. She's not the center of the universe. What Nora thinks and the way Nora feels is not how the world's going to evolve. Mom and dad know more and better than she does and even apparently than Papa T does. And they taught her with harshness and with toughness, it's not about you. And what God is doing in this text today is he is trying to teach the Nora in all of us. And listen to me, Nora is sin-cursed. She is not a perfect little angel from God. Had a lady text me and we got into it this week. Oh, why do you talk about negative stuff? Because everything that God created is perfect. No, it's not. All of us in this planet is cursed by sin. It's all going to burn up one day. There's only one perfect. His name was Jesus. He died for your sins and for mine. And the only hope that Nora and you and your kids have is that they meet him one day. And the only way they're going to meet him one day is if you don't help them see they are sin cursed. They are evil spirit within them. And they need not to be better. Not to be happy. Not to be moralistic. Not to be good. They need to be transformed by the blood of Jesus. We need to repent. Nora repented and realized life goes much better when you count and understand mom and dad know better than I do. The world's bigger than me. I have many more blessings. Now here's the deal. She still doesn't like Matthew. Not a big fan, but she was blessed and did great and enjoyed a much different weekend. And here's what I want to say to you and I today. What God is trying to get us to understand, that the dogs of self-satisfaction and self-reliance will continue to bite and destroy our families and our church. The dogs are counting that you and I will count on the wrong things to look at church. Dr. Tom Rayner says, and this is what Paul was really concerned about the church. I don't have time to preach on it, but let me just give you the list. Here's what Dr. Tom Rayner says. These, the, this is what the dogs have done to destroy the church in America today. And he's dead right. Number one, they think that everything, this is five things that will destroy your church. They think that everything is the pastoral staff's fault. Heard that a couple of times. They see the pastoral staff as hired hands for the church members. They have a power group in their church that desires to retain power. They see those in the community as outsiders, and they have established traditions and methodologies that they refuse to give up. I understand what people meant 
that back in the day when we began to shift our church away from worshiping our methodologies and our past to caring about lost people and outsiders, the, over, the overwhelming criticism that I heard, and they didn't mean it and they didn't understand what they were saying, but they just kept saying over and over and again until it made my ears bleed, is we just have so many people I don't know. We can't, and, and we had legitimate arguments about two services, but there's going to be people that I just don't know. You realize counting on the wrong thing? Do you think when we stand before Jesus one day, he would have asked us if we hadn't have done this, Terry? Oh, yeah. We had so many new people that I never got to know. What a tragedy that we went to two services so God could double the size of our congregation and build a new building so that they wouldn't go to hell and could be saved versus me not knowing everybody. We didn't mean it when we said that, maybe, a few. But that's what really is happening when we think that way. What we count on of what we want versus what God counts, Davy, is what matters. What matters is how he counts. And so Paul says, this is how you do it. This is next Sunday's sermon, and I'll let you go. Who worships in the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and puts no confidence in the flesh. I promise you, I'm going to help you out of timeout. We're going to get Nora out of timeout. We're going to get you guys out of timeout. Today's a timeout sermon. But here's the thing. True believers worship in the Spirit. They glory in Christ Jesus alone. This is what we're going to focus in on next Sunday, guys. And we rejoice in the Lord, not in ourselves. Those who worship by the Spirit of God glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Now I want you this morning to look at the screen one last time. And here's what we're going to end the message on today. We praise him and thank him for who he is and what he's done. This is the message Paul is telling the church today. Forgetting ourselves and our achievements and ignoring our resumes, we give him glory. Now, would you please stand with me this morning? Now, I want you to look at me. We're going to do the invitation a lot different this morning. I need everybody to stay focused. Please don't leave. Please don't leave. God is moving, guys. Let me ask you, what are you counting on? What are you counting on that really matters? Are you trying to do the new math in your personal and spiritual life? Let me ask you this morning, are you tired? Church, I'm talking to the church this morning. Are you tired of how long it is taking to find answers in your life? Or maybe you're a seeker here today and you really have just tried to follow the, the culture of America. Maybe, maybe the right answer is the simplest. Maybe the answer you've been looking for all along is Jesus. And depending on Jesus alone. And this morning, as we get ready to sing this invitation, 
Yes, if you want to come and be saved today, our counselors will meet with you. You come and get me. But I'm talking to the church this morning. I'm talking to the church this morning. Maybe if we came first, maybe if we came first, maybe if we quit trying to be good, moralistic people, maybe our neighbors would come to church with us. Maybe they would realize we're not trying to be good people. Well, we're trying to be people who are in love with the Jesus Christ who saved us, who died for us, who has changed our life. And we just simply want to love them. And the only way we're going to get there is if we repent for the fact that we're counting on ourselves rather than worshiping God. As we sing, would you come? Thank you for listening to the Sermon Playback Podcast from Connect Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. Connect Church has two worship services on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 1030. We sincerely hope you'll visit. For more information and details, or if you have any questions you'd like to answer, please visit our website at www.triconnect.church. Again, that's www.triconnect.church.